Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Good morning. Today is the day. It is Friday, August 30th. Wow. All right. Friday, August the 30th. Time flies. <clears throat> um, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, and and let me just say, you know who you are if you know why I am sharing this this morning. You know who you are. And so let me just say it, and I'm not going to lie to you. Life is difficult. Life is difficult. Jesus literally never promised us a rose garden. He promised to be with us in places like the Garden of Gethsemane or the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Um, And so if your life today is harder than you've been led to believe that it should be, then the truth is whoever led you to believe that was not being fully honest with you about Jesus um, or about what the, the biblical writers, Paul, Peter, James, John, Every other New Testament voice communicates about what life is going to be like in the meantime, and the meantime is mean, for those who are in the world but not of it. And so let me just say again, um, life is difficult. And if you belong to Jesus, if you're walking with Jesus, if you are yoked to Christ, although his uh, you know, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, serving him, representing him in the world. Um, then we have to live with the constant expectation that everything that the world dished out to Jesus, that's going to be upon us as well. Now, there's good news in all of this. You, you don't have to take it. That's right. You don't have to take any of what the enemy and those operating at enmity with God are dishing out today. You don't have to take any of it. Now, you don't have to take any of it because God in Jesus Christ already took it. He took it all. He took it all. Everything that the enemy and his cohorts are dealing out today, everything, every lie spoken, every treacherous thing done, every mean-spirited act, every barb, every single arrow, flaming arrow of the enemy, every single one is something Jesus already took. He took it. You don't have to take it. Jesus already took it. So in times of distress, When people are dumping their garbage on the lawn of your life, I want to encourage you to call it what it is. Call it what it is. Call it evidence of the devil's last-ditch attempt to rob God's people of our joy. And don't let him do it. Don't let the liar win the moment. And don't let the thief rob you of your joy. Just don't do it. You know the secret of being content in every circumstance. You know it. His name is Jesus. He is with you. He is never going to leave you. He is never going to forsake you. Jesus tells us that the enemy comes like a thief to do what? To steal and kill and destroy. And why did Jesus come? Well, Jesus says, look, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. Now, full of what exactly? This is going to be my provocative question for you today. 
Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full, but full of what? Full of him. Full of grace and full of truth, full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control, full of the Holy Spirit of the living God. Full of it. So go ahead. Be full of it today. Tell the enemy to get off your lawn. This life, this car, this office, this home, this heart, this mind, these belong to Jesus. You cannot have them. You cannot steal them. You cannot destroy them. And you cannot rob me of my joy. Tell the devil today he cannot rob you of your joy. Tell him this life is locked. I got life locked. This life is locked. I am his. Any attempt at identity confusion or identity theft right here in this neighborhood, in the neighborhood of this mind and heart, is going to be met with the name of Jesus, my Lord. Devil, get off my lawn. That's what I want uh, I want you to be thinking about today. I want you to do today. Um, I got more, but that's all we got time for in this minute. Matt Hawkins is waiting in the wings. He and I are going to talk about getting the devil off the lawn. All right, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All right, I'm welcoming back Matt Hawkins. You can find him uh, at MT Hawk on Twitter. You can also find him at MatthewTHawkins.com. He provides all kinds of great resources in terms of meeting the, what I'll just call not only the spiritual, but also like sort of the spiritual, intellectual, political challenges of the day. He makes politics less scary for those of us who are evangelical Christians. So, Matt, welcome back. Thank you very much, Carmen. Glad to be back. It's officially football season. Going I know. Going to Vanderbilt, it, Georgia tomorrow night. All right. It is officially football season. Um, And so for those of you who are rooting for a team, don't be mad at all the rest of us that are rooting for another team. Right. That's right. (laughs) Okay. So in in, in my in my classic coalition building way, I am as a Vanderbilt fan going with the Georgia fan. So (laughs) that's my my outreach for the week. You know, the people from up north, they really it's so much seemingly more about um, professional football than it is about well, college sure. football. Although, although I mean, obviously we're in markets all across the country, but um, but there's a lot of folks who I find are much more excited about uh, what's happening in professional football than in college football. But for those of us who live in the Southeast, it's kind of all college football, and so yeah, uh, it's it's an yeah. interesting it's, it's uh, the way it's this college football in the South is kind of a way of life, right? It's yeah, kind of a pattern of the fall. So how about you and I talking about um, how we gain some yardage in? Uh, in the gridiron of a political cultural conversation today. Yeah. As well, my segue, you, as my segue into a, segue. a conversation. About, yeah. Okay. So your wife is in healthcare. And so when you yeah. read a health, when you read an article about a nurse who was forced to participate in, um, in an abortion, um, yeah. she was, she was forced by her hospital, by her employer. She was tricked into it. She was scheduled to serve in a surgery. She'd already, they already knew she had a, um, a conscious objection. She'd already made it right. very, very clear. This is not something that she would ever do or ever participate in. Um, she walked into the the OR and or whatever the whatever room this was took place in, and the doctor even acknowledged when she walked in that they were about to do something that she they knew she had an right. objection to, and she was going to be forced to do it. I mean, he even said like, "Don't hate me," like, yeah, but this me. is what we're doing. And she couldn't walk out. She couldn't like right at, well at, at risk of her own job. And and at risk of uh, so tell us what's going on here. This happened in Vermont, and finally the um, 
you know, the U.S. government is saying enough, enough. People's religious conscience is protected. It is protected. And you shall not trample all over it. Tell us what's going on here. That's right. So the uh, at the Vermont Medical Center in uh, and there there's been a an order um, that this like like you said, a nurse once again, this is not the first time has been forced against her moral or religious objections to participate in an abortion. And that's super problematic, and it's contrary to HHS regulations, uh, federal regulations. And uh, their Vermont, the Vermont Medical Center is now under investigation, and they've discovered a number of things. Not only is this particular nurse, uh, uh, not only did this particular nurse uh, face this kind of really unnecessary um, uh, moral injury, right? Yeah, I mean, mor- this is a moral injury. injury. You cannot Absolutely. undo what they've. There's no. How do you? How do you take that back? How, how do you undo that? I mean, you can't yeah, undo you can. the abortion, but you also can't undo what you what has now been done to this person. To this yeah, nurse. You're, you're absolutely right. And it turns out that the investigation revealed, further revealed that over the last couple of years, at least since uh, 2017, multiple other Vanderbilt or Vermont uh, personnel have been, quote, intentionally, unnecessarily and knowingly scheduled by the hospital to assist with elective abortions against their moral or religious uh, objections. And they continue to hold a policy that threatens adverse action or discipline to to participate in abortions against their objections. So uh, I want to, I want to draw, it's an unconscionable. Yeah. And so I want to draw a quick parallel for, um, for people who might be of a more progressive or liberal mindset on this, on the topic of abortion. And they might be saying to themselves, well, you have to, it's your job. Like do it. Like if you want, this is the job you want. So let's, let's, let's make the parallel argument um, that you are a person who objects to capital punishment and you work in the prison system. And we, as the right. government of the United States of America, force you, force you to participate in bringing, uh, you know, an inmate's life to an end. We force you to do it against your conscientious objection. So that that would be for those of you who are going to have this conversation today. um, This is this is actually I don't do moral outrage very often, like just absolute flat out moral outrage. It's just not my like that's not my stick. But today this is I'm I am this is bad. Like this is there are bad actors out there. And they are systemically seeking to force Christians to do things in the marketplace that are absolutely contrary to the Christian worldview and to Christian conviction. And so um, I want people to know about this and I want um, and I want us to be supportive of our government uh, in terms of this HHS action. Um, I want us to be watching this story as it unfolds. This is the University of Vermont Medical Center. They do get federal funding. Um, yeah. And they have this broad pattern at the medical center of healthcare workers being forced to participate in procedures that they find morally or religiously objectionable. And so I wanted people to know about this. And then you and I are going to um, we're going to talk about speech next. Is that OK? Yeah, I want to talk about um, Steve King's offensive comments about the Uyghur Muslims and then Bill Maher's equally offensive comments about the death of David Koch. So uh, Matt Hawkins and I are going to continue our conversation sort of like talking theology in public up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, so we have talked uh, here, made reference to the death of, uh, of David Koch of Koch Industries. Uh, he and his brother uh, started then 
to influence, I would say, the political world pretty significantly. The Tea Party movement was more or less bankrolled by uh, by these guys. And so um, the fact that there are those on the far left who didn't like David Koch um, and maybe uh, dancing on his grave maybe doesn't surprise anybody. I do think it surprises us when somebody with a platform like Bill Maher um, uses his platform to l- Bill Maher literally uh, to celebrate um, not only death, but celebrate cancer and just say things about another human being that are uh, at the time of a person's death uh, or at really any time, really inappropriate. Um, Matt, uh, where are we in terms of cultural conversation? We have an equally offensive, um, equally offensive statements by uh, by Steve King about Uyghur Muslims detained in China. Um, yeah. And and so I just it, it's not as if, you know, Bill Maher's the only one out there saying really just gross things in public about other people. You know, we've got members yeah. of Congress doing the same thing. Right. Exactly. And I think that's that's really uh, why we care about this anyway. I mean, uh, on the one hand, look, Bill Maher's the the late night version of a shock jock. Uh, radio host. Uh, we're not often surprised when he uh, breaches uh, common decency uh, to make his point. Uh, he's been doing that for years. And few people are surprised. It's particularly distasteful when someone dies, and especially while the family's still mourning. Um, and uh, but I'm still like like you. Like I I rarely get outraged about uh, political rhetoric nowadays. Uh, little we find surprising. But there's some but I think uh, we're in this era where kind of everything goes and it started out as kind of a pressure release against political correctness uh, and an embrace of authenticity. Right. But now we've just gone full bore uh, raw, like you can say anything with impunity. And one of these things recently, again, uh, Steve King uh, jokes about Uyghur Muslims uh, in concentration camps joked about them being force-fed pork. It was a fl- flippant com- uh, it was a flippant exchange at one of his town halls where like one person showed up. Uh, but he's joking about Uyghur Muslims who are literally in concentration camps right now, Carmen. That ought to outrage all of us, especially Republicans. And that the fact that Steve King is still in office and I don't rarely do this. Uh, and certainly really do it on radio. But like this, it's it's time for Republicans, particularly people who uh, are pro-life and care about the pro-life movement and our rhetoric and our winning hearts and minds to our cause for the sake of the unborn. Uh, this is not worth one congressional vote uh, to tolerate this kind of nonsense from an elected official who ought to know better. Uh, people are suffering. People are persecuted. We've talked on previous shows about uh, the... Um, the persecution of the Chinese communist government against Uyghur, uh, the Chinese, basically ethnically Chinese Muslims. Uh, they have anywhere from one, one to at least one million up to two million people in uh, camps, and they've been methodically tracking them with high tech science, um, it, with uh, you know f- quote, supposed f- free medical checkups. Uh, we there's this whole uh, I think was the New York Times did a whole write up a months ago about their high-tech tracking these people. It's really otherworldly. And in a, especially in a world post, uh, post-Holocaust, the fact that an American, a sitting American elected official would joke about uh, a, a, 
a religious minority being force fed food against their will while they're already being persecuted. That's just unconscionable. It's got to stop. And we, we're responsible for calling out uh, the nonsense within our respective political tribes. Uh, Democrats ought to do it for Democrats. Republicans ought to do it for Republicans. And we have a responsibility here, uh, not first as Christians, of course, uh, but also as citizens of this country, right? Uh, we're ultimately uh, in charge um, of this country. That includes the law and that includes our public rhetoric. So when... When we talk about individuals, I want our listeners to be clear. This is not um, this is not Matt and Carmen uh, trying to denigrate an individual. This is Matt and Carmen trying to um, provoke a conversation about the way we talk in our culture, the way we speak, and the importance of platform. And so the the platform may be political. The platform may be um, pseudo entertainment on late night television. The platform may be radio. The platform may be whatever group of people you're going to be talking with today over coffee. Um, The platform may be social media. In every one of those environments, as Christians, it it is incumbent upon us to speak accurately and and to speak uh, not just truth, but to do so in love. Like, we can't be gospel people who are then operating in the world in non-gospel ways. And so um, when we're talking about uh, political conversation and political speech, I recognize that there is a desire to be shocking and to grab attention and to use a moment for um, for humor on the political stage um, or on the entertainment stage. Like, I get that. I recognize that. But then we have to say some things aren't funny. Like, we have to be the people who don't laugh and say some things aren't funny. That's not funny. If you've ever been um, if you've ever been, you know, at a dinner party where, you know, somebody tells, uh, uh, frankly, a Sunday school class where somebody tells a a joke that is not funny because it is making light of life or it is making light of the gospel or it is making light of marriage or whatever. It's incumbent upon us to say to to not laugh and then to say um, that's not funny. Like that is not funny. So, uh, you know, you might say, well, that's a killjoy. No, actually, it's being a provocator of the real joy. Like, right, let's be people who are advocates of real joy and not just um, kind of the, the gross humor of our generation. It's 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 inappropriate. Um, it's uh, it's unchristian. Number one, it's inappropriate uh, to be lead, for us as anybody leading uh, in a culture, uh, in a political culture, and it's uh, it it's really hurting to our own causes, namely uh, consistency on pro life and on religious liberty. For crying out loud. Yep, absolutely. Um, so All right. yeah, this is this is I, definitely a get off my lawn morning for me, Carmen. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for people that don't know that cultural reference, like right, we recognize that it comes from you know movies that are you know sort of featuring grumpy people. We're not talking about being grumpy. We're talking about being honest with the enemy. Get off my lawn, man! Don't don't uh, don't stomp around. Don't rob me of my joy. All right, Matt Hawkins, thank you so much. You guys can check out what he's doing at MatthewTHawkins.com. You can follow him on Twitter at mthawk. We'll be right back. Okay, so um, I have some dear friends who live in Southern California um, whose names are the Metherells, and their son, Mark, um, gave his life in service to our country a number of years ago. And, uh, and so when I picked up this book, The Winding Path of Transformation, Finding Yourself Between Glory and Humility, which is written by Pastor uh, Jeffrey Tackland, um, and it's, it's really, it's an excellent read. It's, um, 
it's really it's in it's conversational it's engaging uh then when i got to the part uh all the way in the back where he talks about his friend mark um man my heart just kind of exploded and so next up is my conversation with jeff tackland you can find him online uh, if you if you so desire, but hang out here with me. We're going to talk with a pastor about his friend. We're going to talk with him about the winding path of transformation in all of our lives, how we find ourselves between glory and humility. That conversation up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Okay, so yesterday uh, I spent a couple, uh, well, I don't know, a few seconds, maybe a minute talking about how you communicate with us when you want to communicate with us. And so, you know, I shared with folks that during the show, you can text me at 877-933-2484, but that that is actually our toll-free number all the time. And so you should put it on your speed dial. You should um, you should definitely, you know, like put it in your phone so that you want it when you feel provoked to send Carmen a text during the show, you can, 877-933-2484. But also when you just want to let Faith Radio know your impact story. Like, hey, I just heard something on the air that really touched me or that really, wow, that really helped me walk my faith out in the world today. That really helped me reconnect, uh, you know, the, the eternal with the everyday. I was equipped to, to do um, in my conversations what Carmen talks about, which is like, you know, bring God back into it. Okay, so we love to hear those impact stories. Why? So we can share the we can share those stories with others. We can um, let people know, hey, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Um, This is the impact that it's having because this is, by the way, a listener-supported radio uh, ministry. And so the only way we do what we do is if listeners like you actually share with us not only your stories but the resources that enable us to do what we do every day. And so all of this is leading up to what we call fall share. And it's a week during which we dedicate a few days to talking about the impact of Faith Radio and then asking our listeners to share financial resources with us in order that we can, you know, not just keep doing what we're doing because we're going to keep doing what we're doing, but really extend it to more and more people, that the gospel might extend to more and more people. Like, that's our heart. That's our goal. That's what we want. Um, and we know that you want that, too, and you are with us in it. So call us now if you want to, 877-933-2484. Go ahead and jump in in our fall share campaign even though it's not officially starting until mm, the week after Labor Day. All right, so uh, you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. You can text me, 877-933-2484. You can also give by calling that same number. We'll be right back. I want to live generously with my whole heart and soul and with a spirit that moves me to give more than I ever thought I could. Hi, this is Callie Breeze with Thrivent, helping you be wise and thrive. Living generously is different than just a transaction of generosity. It's all about understanding what you have to give. Your special talents, your time, and your treasure. The key to living this way is being open to the possibility that at any moment, someone may need what you have. And you have the privilege to be a blessing to that person. You know, it doesn't have to be planned or complicated, but it should come from your heart. It could be as simple as listening to a friend who's going through a tough time, or maybe mowing a neighbor's lawn. And honestly, the planned gifts of generosity are rewarding too. God is so generous to us, and He wants us to live this way too. And when you do, you'll have more contentment than you ever imagined. Welcome back. I'm excited to be joined today by Jeffrey Tackland. 
Uh, he is the author of The Winding Path of Transformation, Finding Yourself Between Glory and Humility. He's also a pastor. He might prefer that I, uh, that I lead with that. He might prefer that I lead with the fact that he's a child of God and a, and a husband and a dad. You can find him at Jeff Tackland, T-A-C-K-L-I-N-D dot com. Welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Well, it's lovely to have you. How would you prefer to be introduced? If someone were just cold introducing you to, you know, 100,000 people across the country, how do you how would you prefer to be introduced? I'll probably Jeff. <laughs> I mean, I I kind of get the gamut. Um, but, uh, you know, I, my title as pastor, I think, feels comfortable, too. But, um, but yeah, I, I I cringe a little bit at titles and prefer just kind of first names. So that's a little bit easier maybe for me. Well, that's what we'll do then. All right. So Jeff and I are going to talk today about a subject that I think we imagine we know about, we hope and long to experience, but is kind of a mystery to many of us. And that is transformation. So let's just start with um, that word. When you use the word transformation and you talk about this being a book about transformation, what, what do you mean? Well, I think in a way it, it simply means um, spiritual growth. But, uh, you know, I like the image of the heart growing. I, I think that that for me became really one and the same thing to realize that when God is doing work in my life, it is almost always in this area of the heart and that what God is doing is, is taking that heart and making it more generous, making it more expansive. And uh, transformation has to do not only with growth in that sense, but also kind of my true self really being um, <laughs> a lot of self-discovery in that, as well as uh, just being free to really be who God made me to be. So I think, Jeff, when we use um, when we use phrases or we hear phrases like true self, when we hear phrases like freedom, uh, there there can be some confusion um, because of the way those words get used in the culture. Um, you know, just go out there and find your true self as if you might be doing that apart from God. That is not at all what you're talking about. No, it's not what I'm talking about. But that's helpful in kind of almost clarifying where the struggle is, because I think the fact is there's a part of me it left to myself if I'm plotting my course of transformation, it's going to look, as it turns out, very different than what God's would be for me. Um, that that true self, my ego wants to come in and turn that into a story about my adoration um, as well as my comfort. And I think that God's story, that true, like maybe a truer self, has to do more with um, the, the the heart He's designed in me being set free from from my pride and from my insecurity. And that's really what you talk about in this um, in this opening section that you call uh, the middle place. I like the way that you uh, that you describe this distance. I don't know. It's, it's not really a halfway point. That's not the way I will describe it. It's a trajectory that's somewhere between glory and humility. And you talk about holding both of those um at the same time, and there's a there's a paradox in that, right? It's not this is not um, this is not easy to do. It's not comfortable to do, and yet it is what we must do if what we're really going to be on is um, is a path of transformation. And we'll get to the fact that it's winding here in a minute. Um, so talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that. Talk about holding this this glory, which is not mine, 
Um, but this humility, which must become who I am and the tension between those two, like that's, that is really substantive and, and you start out with that. And I think it's really important. Yeah, no, thank you. I, yeah, I think that's, there's a tension between these two. And I think, you know, when, when Jesus says like to live, you know, that you must die, this, this idea that there's a part of me in order to come alive, there's a part of me that must diminish. And I think those two things are really running in parallel, this, this courage to step more fully into my calling and, and simultaneously this thing inside of me, the, the sort of independence and self-love that has to sort of diminish or to die. And I think that that happens so often in life in this place of tension. There, there's a part of me that just doesn't want to go quietly. And, um, and so that becomes this resistance in this middle place. And yet there's also this awakening of um, these deep longings of the heart that I think God is saying, look, I put those there. So that that sense of growing is is really deep down kind of those deepest wishes, um, things that we often kind of diminish or are embarrassed about. And yet God is saying, no, I've made you for more. I've made you for glory. And like you said, his glory, like to be shining through us. But in order for that to not get distorted, my my pride and ego must decrease. So again, I'm talking with uh, Jeff Tackland. He's the author of The Winding Path of Transformation, Finding Yourself Between Glory and Humility. Um, Jeff, on uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read very early in the book. It's on page nine. So on page nine, okay. you say, someone once asked me how I personally recognize the voice of God. This is after saying in, in the paragraph earlier that you heard the voice of God, which I, of course, highlighted and put a question mark next to. Um, <laughs> and so, so then I was glad at the bottom of the page, you said someone once asked me, uh, how I personally recognize the voice of God. How do I distinguish between the divine whisper and my own wishful or sometimes fearful thinking? Is there really a difference? And then you say, it's a fair question. Talk with us about that. Well, I, I think that probably all of us have heard people use that phrase and thought in the back of my, you know, our minds, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure you heard that voice? Because oftentimes God's voice becomes a, a way of rationalizing our own kind of desires. And I think we have to be extremely careful of that. I, I think that sometimes people will go to the opposite end and just assume that God doesn't, that that's always sort of my own inner dialogue going on. And I think that's to miss something really important. I think we have to, when we listen for God's voice, there's, uh, it takes a, a lot of intentionality and sensitivity both and we, we need, also need to be a bit suspect of ourselves in that. Um, but I think there are ways to discern God's voice. And I think like in that situation there, as I begin to share that story, when I, w one of the things that I notice when God speaks to me is that I'm not always pleased at first blush with, with what has been said. It, it challenges something in me. And my, my first reaction oftentimes is to push against it. So let's return to this conversation in just a minute. We have to take a brief break. I'm going to um, uh, I'm going to turn the corner, so to speak, and ask you why the path of transformation is a winding one. Um, and it's not just winding in terms of like, you know, kind of around in the wilderness. Sometimes it's kind of winding down into the valley at certain periods. And I, I love the way that you plumb the depths of that. So I'm going to return to this conversation in just a moment. Uh, my my conversation partner is Jeff Tackland. He is the author of The Winding Path of Transformation, Finding Yourself Between Glory and Humility. We'll be right back. Here we are now with the 
All right, so I'm continuing my conversation with Jeff. He is a pastor. He is an author. I, I'm going to go so far as to say he's a little bit of a mystic, which I kind of like. Uh, he is helping us wander around um, in a conversation about the winding path of transformation. What What is it about the, the path of transformation that is winding? I mean, I like things that are like, you know, straight and direct and, you know, point A to point B, like, let's get her done. Um, and yet, in my experience, um, that is not at all what my resume looks like. I mean, it's not what my life looks like. It's a bit of a wandering mess. Yeah. <laughs> I think all of ours, if we're honest, all of ours are. I, I love that verse. I, I kind of start with this verse from Ecclesiastes. It says, what God has made crooked, who could make straight? And um, honestly, thought about naming the book The Crooked Path of Transformation, but crooked sounded a little sinister. But um, <laughs> but I, I think that there is in these turns um, a bit of surprise. It's just not the road. If, if it was up to us, we would always go point A to point B, like just straight line. And I think that the winding path is almost a way that God slows us down on our journey, um, keeps us guessing, and as a way keeps us near that we're being led and God wants us right there in step. And that that place of not quite knowing where to go almost prevents us from getting ahead of ourselves. And so I, I see those paths and those turns as um, there by design. So when we talk about um, some of the things that are there by design, um, uh, some of my dear friends <clears throat> are the parents of uh, of one of your dear friends. And so Alec and Pam Metherell are dear friends of mine. And so yeah. when I when I read at the conclusion of your book, um, you know, your your friendship with Mark, um, I think that uh, it, it spoke to me in a particularly poignant way. And so um, talk with us about loss and grief and remembering those who no longer walk among us in the flesh, but, um, you know, but whose lives are impactful upon ours and. And we bear some responsibility sort of with them in this life. Mm, yeah. No, that's, I'm, it brings a lot of emotion for me. Um, I think that in so many ways, Mark helped me understand this kind of greater trajectory of eternity and how the, the transformation is, is kind of preparing us for the next. I, I, I said at his funeral that, um, <laughs> That for me, when I think of heaven, I, I can't wait to see my friend, but I expect to to get there and find that he's off on assignment somewhere <laughs> because I think he always had this sense of like our lives are called to we're called to something much greater than ourselves. And that to me is interwoven through these stories is how God is preparing us in such a way. I think we have a, a view of eternity that you know, sitting on clouds playing harps. And I think, in fact, no, this world is like God's school of love. It's his preparation and in many ways pre preparing us for what's to come next. And so that loss creates in me, I, I see as a temporary separation, but reminds me that my life is destined for something much greater, a much greater story than, than even is limited to this lifetime here. For those who don't know, um, Mark Metherell was, among other things, a Navy SEAL, but he was uh, a husband and, and a dad and um, a son and a friend and just a um, a, a magnificent human being. Um, and when he, when he was 39, he was, uh, he was killed in Iraq where he was um, serving as a special advisor in support of the U.S. government. Um, and <clears throat> Mark um, 
Mark's legacy in life, I just felt like because you make reference to it, I, I felt kind of obligated, right, to yeah. to acknowledge um, the power of one person's life and testimony. He was 39 in 2008 when he died. I mean, I, I looked that up in anticipation of our conversation. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, he'd be 50 this year, but he's not 50. He's eternal. Like, I, it helps me. It helps me to, like, have friends in heaven who are eternal. Yes, that's right. That's right. And, and, you know, when we think about like that cloud of witnesses, these people looking on and, um, is, is helpful in, in thinking about the, the story I live and, and wanting to make sure that, uh, that this life, I live it generously. I think Mark always did. He, he was so willing to, to give his life for something greater, even if it costs him some things very, very precious and dear to him. And, I feel, you know, just because of his friendship, there becomes a sense of accountability to him that um, that reminds me of my greater accountability to Christ. So I, I that image has been a gift. And, and even, you know, something as simple as the completion of this book, I, I know it was something that he and I had talked about and shared about. And so um, it, it made me pleased to be able to write in that conclusion like this is for you, my friend. So um yeah, I, I'm inspired by him continually, even to this day. So it, it seems to me as if um, you're the kind of pastor who um, walks with people. And it, it, and I think that that is what we as Christians are all called to do with one another. Like, I, I, I like the image of parents withing, you know, alongside their kids and their journey of faith. And it seems as if that's, it sounds to me, and it sounds to me in your book, as if that's the kind of pastor you are. Um, you also say in this book that you're not really, you know, sure you are yet who you're supposed to be, and that that kind of sometimes to have a pastor say something like that makes people uncomfortable. I don't have a page reference for that, but I bet you remember um, saying sure. something like that in here. Talk <laughs> about that, like the expectations that we maybe culturally have of people who are called pastors, and that they're really just other guys on the journey with us. Yes. You know, I, years ago, I read this article um, on pastoral ministry where they're saying the kind of the old paradigm using the Wizard of Oz was that the pastor was the wizard, like this big, impressive voice and um, <laughs> presence declaring this is the way it is until, you know, in, in recent times, that curtain feels like it's been pulled back. And there's this little man behind the curtain saying, don't look at the man behind the curtain. And this person was writing in this article saying, I think we need more pastors like Dorothy that just say, hey, all of us have a need. Let's let's go there together. And I remember reading that and thinking I could do that. I, I knew in my heart I couldn't be the guy pulling the levers behind the curtain, um, knowing that that hadn't been helpful to me and, and really thinking in the long term, even if that's what people crave, the sort of certainty and authority that comes with that impressive voice to go. It's it's misleading and misguiding because I know my own heart. I know I'm on a journey and I know my needs are as great as the people in my congregation. But what I can do is come alongside and that's really what I've aspired to be. I think just from an integrity standpoint, I don't think I could be anything but that without not being true to who I am. Which really is what the book is about. And uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we were um, kind of able to frame it that way. Uh, the book is The Winding Path of Transformation, Finding Yourself Between Glory and Humility. The author is Jeffrey Tackland. He also has a website, which is a great place uh, to check out what he's writing. And of course, I have lost track of that on my sheet of paper, but uh, I can quickly find it. Jeff, T 
Taklind, T-A-C-K-L-I-N-D.com. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. But thank you also for um, your willingness to be very transparent about the journey uh, of faith as a Christian um, who's, you know, functioning as the pastor of a church, because I think you are, you're honest in this book in a way that is just very refreshing and helps us remember that uh, the body of Christ is, you know, is constituted of lots of different parts and the people who are parts of it, some of them have a different function and your function is as a pastor, but you're also this fellow pilgrim. And I just really, I appreciate how, um, how alongside, come alongside me this book is. So thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. I, it just means so much to me. And, you know, I, I think what a blessing to be able to share this. Thank you for what you're doing, too. I, I just I love it. Absolutely. All right. You guys can uh, you guys can go to Laguna Beach and visit with him as well. The book is The Winding Path of Transformation, Finding Yourself Between Glory and Humility. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. So I've got a couple of copies of The Winding Path of Transformation by Jeffrey Tackland to give away to listeners this morning. I've made an executive decision. We're going to send one to the parents of Mark Metherell. So we got a couple of copies yet to give away. If, you, uh, if you've been listening to this conversation and you say to yourself, I really want and need that book, you can text us at 877-933-2484. You can always email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. Again, giving away a couple of copies of The Winding Path of Transformation, Finding Yourself Between Glory and Humility by Jeff Tackland. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.